Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Friday morning. It's actually afternoon for one of the guys on this pod. We'll talk about that in a second. First off, joining us from New York City is Tim Bontemps. Hello, fellas. I got to tell you, Bontemps, never before in his many years on this planet had Ben McMahon made it over to Europe until this month. Mm-hmm. And he went to France and somewhere else for his honeymoon. I think, was it just no, France? It was, it was France. No, it, was it was Paris France and the Riviera. Okay. Two stops. Then he came back home to Texas, which is where he is very comfortable and well-loved. Now, Bon Pit Temps, stop in L.A. And then he left. He was in L.A. last week when we did the pod. Okay, he this was in a L.A. This is a Fidel-like itinerary. Not at home <laughs> at all. Now he is in Lubahana, Slovenia. Did I pronounce Luba, that correctly? Lubiana. The J's. Wow. Lubiana. Wow. Lubiana. Another first. McMahon getting the pronunciation right, and someone else. I've, I've worked on it. Big. They, <laughs> if you want a slang, and it's Lublana. But yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, McMahon uh, uh, admitted into Eastern Europe with a questionable background. Um, <laughs> why are you in Slovenia? Well, Wendy, uh, thanks to you, I've got a book deal. Uh, you know, you obviously are a, I believe, multiple times. I wasn't time searching for this. I, no, I but it's the truth. This. this is the truth. You're a multiple time New York Times bestselling author. Uh, you've worked with the, the same agent, the same publisher, and they reached out to you and were kind of kicking around ideas and said, you know what, we would, we'd be interested in some sort of book on Luka Doncic. And you, being the good friend that you are, said, call McMahon. And so I we said, talked it through. Boy, his reputation the, on that one. Do, do I have yes. the guy for you? And then when that guy wasn't available, then they called <laughs> <laughs> Well, whatever. So anyways, <laughs> ag- agreed to that deal. And you know, I didn't want to just write a book about, oh, Luca's, wow, this guy's amazing. Everybody knows that. I didn't think there's a whole lot of interesting ground to uncover there. And so kind of the the premise of the book is I'm writing about the pressure that an NBA franchise takes when they draft the prodigy and writing it through the Luca prism. And obviously there's been a lot of things that have happened with the Mavericks during, uh, during his career um, that will all be in there. Um, but I, I think I thought to write this book, I needed to get out. I needed to see where he's from. I needed to see him compete uh, with his national team. I, I do think the fact that Luca plays for Slovenia when he could have gone to Serbia, he could have gone to Spain um, and plays for the, every game that matters for the national team. That does show a, a strong sense of loyalty. So I wanted to kind of get a feel for that, you know, to talk to a lot of people around here. So I'm going to spend a, a week here. I got to see them play Estonia last night in his home country. Yeah, so they're getting ready for the European Championships known as Eurobasket. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody's warming up for it. Some yeah, well, they've got the, and these are World Cup, yeah, these are World Cup qualifying window games too. Same time they had uh, the same time uh, Slovenia was beating Estonia, um, Serbia and Greece had a classic. Yeah, you know, I was just going to say, can you Giannis can you imagine Jokic. can you imagine Luca and Jokic playing together for Serbia? That would be a pretty. Oh my god, team. that would be yeah, well, they played. They played against each other here in a friendly. So these games, right? I have a feeling know, that game night, wasn't very friendly in the crowd. Yeah, that and that one went to overtime, and like those guys played, like they played to win. 
Um, but these World Cup qualifying games really mean something. Then Eurobasket starts next week. So I'll go to Cologne for group play. Um, and it's a great group. It's it's Slovenia, uh, France, obviously, which knocked Slovenia out uh, or beat Slovenia in the, in, in the medal round in the Olympics. Um, Lithuania, which oh Slovenia. My God. This is the group of death. Yeah, Slovenia, as you know, Wendy, beat Lithuania. Luka put up a triple-double on Lithuanian soil to claim the Olympic berth, which is the first for It was, it was uh, one of the most amazing history. things that happened last summer. I know most American fans you know, didn't care about it, but it was a performance. Yeah. 16 yeah, to the 18 yeah. teams make the uh, knockout round. So they'll all be in the knockout round, though. I figured this out the other day when I was talking to somebody who's going over there. I looked it up. I was like, oh, basically everybody makes the knockout round. Yeah. So, yeah. so right now, uh, Jokic is playing for Serbia. Giannis is playing for Greece. Luka mm-hmm. is playing for Slovenia. The French um, guys are all playing, right, big man? Your boy Rudy uh, and everybody? Go, yeah, Rudy Gobert, Evan Fournier. Uh, I'm not sure about all of them, but uh, certainly those two guys who have been, you know, their stars on this. Did you know the Americans played a game in World Cup qualification yesterday? If you can tell me who they played, <clears throat> I will give you one full ah. Hoop Collective point credit. Uh, I do. I, <laughs> a currency I, I just invented. <laughs> I have absolutely no clue who uh, they would have played yesterday. <laughs> the Americans played Uruguay and were victorious. Oh, wow. um, I would now, think so. I Big believe, win. I believe they are now six and one in World Cup qualification in the windows. This is um, a really. Yeah. I actually, I actually got this wrong. It's it's four out of six teams in each group make it. This is a really tough group. France, Bosnia, Lithuania, Slovenia, Hungary, and Germany. There's five legit yeah, teams I, there, including I, Germany. I, 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 yeah, I don't love I don't love Hungary's odds. No. Um. <laughs> Everybody else is legit though. I mean, somebody as good no, is not and- going to make it out. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to that. You know, I'm going to obviously last night Estonia is not quite competition than Slovenia How kind of was sleepwalking early in the in the first uh first quarter. Estonia is actually leading this kid. He's got uh, he plays for Arizona actually, a kid named Kur Kriska. He's a a smallish guard with a peach fuzz mustache and goatee. Had like a shoelace headband. He ended up leading Estonia in scoring last night, but he came off the bench. And while he was on the bench, he was talking so much trash to Luca, and what he was basically saying is, "Stop whining about all the calls. You're getting all the superstar calls." And <laughs> and it was That's and Luca was barking back too. at him. Yeah, he was barking back at him. He was like, when Luca would make a play, he'd turn around, and like talk trash and laugh. And it was a it was a pretty classic Luca performance last night. Twenty five uh, points, eleven rebounds, eight assists. Kind of did whatever he wanted on the floor. Uh, talked a bunch of trash and spent a lot of time hollering at the referees. And yep. uh, did so not do media after form. the game. So it was like, check, 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 check. That is Luca at his best. Yeah. By the but, way, all these so, Eurobasket games are on Watch ESPN. We should be company men and point yeah. that out. So if you want yeah. to watch, just also, want to see McMahon at Cologne, you could turn on Watch ESPN and see if you see him in the stands. While Eurobasket's going on with a whole bunch of NBA All-Stars, should you want to watch the American team? They're <laughs> 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 playing in the, uh, <laughs> in the America Cup, which is in Brazil against all the um, Central and South American teams and, yeah, and Canada. Not quite, not quite Eurobasket. No, but um, that is going on. Next summer is the World Cup. It is in the Philippines. Uh, that will be Steve Kerr's first um, time coaching, being the head coach of... Um, so right now, the teams are trying to qualify for that. The Americans uh, are pretty much locked into qualifying. Jordan but, Clarkson you know, is playing for the Philippines, by the way. That is correct. <clears throat> yes, yes. So, okay, let's uh, talk about the NBA. That was, uh, hey, McMahon, we're um, so glad you're over there doing this. We'll um, 
hear more about this next week, I'm sure, um, as you continue on your travels. Um, you talked about Evan Fournier there. What's the chance Evan Fournier is traded while he's over in Europe in the next week? Because um, the Jazz are beginning their business. Um, they mm-hmm. made their first, uh, you know, post Gobert move um, earlier this week when they traded Patrick Beverly to the Lakers. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, McMahon, you said, I believe, last week that you thought that the Jazz would make a Donovan Mitchell trade before the opener. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds to me in talking to people around the league that the Jazz want to try to go even sooner than that, that they want to go before training camp. Now, yes, some of this, of course, yeah, some of this could be an arbitrary deadline. You always see this in trades where a team says they invent a deadline to force, mm-hmm. um, to force a team into action because they know that teams make their best offers when there's a deadline. The real trade deadline isn't obviously until February. So, right. Um, but it does sound as I talk to folks in the league, like the jazz are trying to, apply the gas here trying to, to juice the offers especially juice the offer from the new york knicks right um, and, and and that's you know it's, it's basically they're trying to get the knicks to put the kind of offer that it will take to get donovan mitchell on the table before training camp because we've talked about this will hardy you just hired him you gave him a long-term contract uh five-year deal he's a 34 year old first-time head coach um you know, not that he can't overcome having a total circus as he starts his rookie training camp, essentially, as a head coach. But, man, that's that would be certainly less than ideal uh, to, to throw him into that kind of a situation as opposed to, okay, everybody understands this franchise is just starting a rebuild and give him a chance to lay the foundation without having the dominant storyline being the Donovan Mitchell drama. Well, look, more importantly than that, they're trying to win 16 games and be in the best position possible to get Victor Wembanyama. And to do that, having Donovan Mitchell on the team is not going to help with that. So it's part of why Patrick mm-hmm. Beverly got traded yesterday. Part of why I expect more of their vets to get traded the next couple months. And it's why, to your point, man, it doesn't make sense for the Jazz to have him on the team when training camp starts. And it doesn't make sense for the Knicks to not have him on the team when training camp starts. Exactly. So yeah. It's just a matter of seeing where that this is- gets to the end. Yeah, if you're the Knicks, you're trying to get this guy and have him uh, be your franchise player. You know him and, and Brunson be, you know, the backcourt, the new backcourt for now and and you know uh, for for years to come. You want as much time with those guys in the gym together practicing as possible. So I think it's in both teams' best interest to get this deal done before camp starts. But it is an artificial deadline, and we all understand that Danny Ainge is not going to pull the trigger until he gets his price. Okay, so let's go in. Let's let's take ourselves into the Jazz front office conference room right now. Um, Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, their GM, David Fisdale. I don't know what his new his title is. David Fisdale. They're all sitting around. <clears throat> what do D- they? Dwayne Wade takes a break from watering his lawn in L.A. and uh, <laughs> calls in. <laughs> Dwayne is on is on Zoom. Um, Ryan Smith, the owner, uh, sitting on his piles of money. He just got a big investment from a, from a private equity firm. Um, they're, they're looking at the boards to me and feel free to correct me if you guys think I'm wrong. As they look at who's interested in Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell options, which 
obviously the Knicks. The Heat, I think, are a team that have interest. It's been reported that the um, uh, Hornets and Wizards have interest. I believe Ian Begley of SNY reported the Cavs have interest. I can confirm that, that the Cavs have talked to the Jazz in the last week. You look at those teams. To me, the most valuable thing that you can get out of all those is New York Knicks unprotected draft picks Mm -hmm. because, and you can correct me again, if I'm wrong, first off, I don't know if Washington and Charlotte have the requisite firepower to make the trade primarily because their draft picks are somewhat encumbered. They can't offer the same number of picks because they owe future picks. I mean, they they can't come close. Okay. Um, So the Cavs, are interesting. The Cavs can offer three unprotected firsts. Um, they're not going to give Evan Mobley or, or Darius Garland. I would be surprised if they would give Jared Allen. In fact, I'll just tell you, I heard the Cavs said Jared Allen's not available. They're, they're those, three, right. those three guys, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley, I heard they told the Jazz they're not available. Well, and if so, you're going to have Darius Garland and Don Mitchell as your backcourt, you need Mobley and, and Jared Allen. That's on the, right. You know, or to, uh, to but I think everything you. else on the platter for the Cavs is available, which would be any other player they have, which, you know, they have. Not some, very much. There's no, like, it would all be draft pick related. But you can get yeah, three unprotected picks. You know, Kevin Love have. can get you up there in salary pretty quick. And then you're yeah, talking so you could, flyers and young talent. Yeah. And, I mean, you could potentially retrade Kevin Love also. Um you know, you could, you know, you could do a deal for, um, you could do a deal in the sign and trade for Colin Sexton. Uh, that would be complicated because you have to agree to that contract. And I don't know if the Jazz are going to do that, but I mean, <clears throat> okay. But my point is, if you trade Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs, you're looking at a team that has two all-stars from last season. You're trading them an all-star and Evan Mobley wasn't an all-star. And it's a fair bet that he would be. I think right. that Cavs team would be pretty good, which is why the Cavs, mm-hmm. I think, are in this bidding. Um and I don't know how good those picks would be. Now, the Cavs picks they can offer are 25, 27, and 29. Who knows, 2029. 20, Donovan Mitchell might be long gone by then. I was going to say, that that's the biggest difference between the Cavs and, uh, well, not the biggest difference, but one main difference between the Cavs and the Knicks and or Heat is that if the Knicks are trading for Donovan Mitchell, you're probably trading for Donovan through his prime. Whereas the Cavs, you're, you know, you you might turn around in, in a year or two, and he's trying to force his way out of there. True, but he does have three years on his contract. So, um, the 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 Heat can offer two firsts, and they could make a deal with the Thunder to potentially offer three. But if you look at what the Heat have on their roster, again, are you wagering which picks are you wagering are going to be better? The Heat picks, the Cavs picks, or the Knicks picks? Um. And, you know, the Knicks, if they traded for Donovan Mitchell, it would be a, a, a huge home run for them. But they're still they're not in the same ballpark as the other two teams. So and frankly, the Knicks over the last decade haven't been good over the last 20 years, haven't been good. So to me, if I'm in the jazz front office, I am trying to get as many unprotected Knicks picks mm-hmm. as I can get in this trade now. I know that there's other picks that they have. They have picks that they got from Oklahoma City on draft night that are protected first-round picks. They actually, the Knicks actually own 
the Wizards draft pick and control when the Wizards can make the next trade because the Wizards Mm -hmm. have a pick that they traded to Houston that has protections on it. Now, when you have protections on it, this is the pick from from the John Wall deal that Oklahoma City got in the Alperen Shingun deal and now went to uh, went to the Knicks in this draft. And the for the Ozman Jang deal, if you want to. Yes. And then uh, they got so they have the Washington pick and then they have the Detroit pick. That I think originally went to same same Houston to OKC. I think that's originally from like Trevor Ariza. They have three extra picks besides theirs. One of them is also Dallas's pick. Dallas is this year, which is top ten, so you can expect that one to be. Uh, you know, the other two I think you're going to have to wait on because the protections like you know deescalates. Right, but the chances uh, the of that pick be being a a high being a a, a lottery pick of right. those other three picks are much farther out so correct like again you can if you know i know that people are focusing on the number of picks how many mm-hmm. picks in total can the knicks offer but the reality is the quality of those picks matter because one unprotected knicks pick in the right year can be worth all three of mm-hmm. those protected picks so that to me bond temps is what the jazz are trying to do here and what they're trying to pull out of the knicks is the uh, is is many they can trade up to four that's what they're legally allowed to trade that's what they're going to want and so that to me is the basis it's not the only thing that's going on in donovan mitchell talks but that's the basis of what's going on here yeah i mean i think you know certainly i would say it's a combination right the knicks have the most stuff to offer period which helps and as you said, their history would say that if you bet on Knicks unprotected picks, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. Um, and let's also be honest, like, look, I mean, you mentioned like Charlotte. I would rather have Charlotte unprotected picks than the Knicks. Like if you're ranking those assets, but Charlotte's not, I wouldn't think, giving up the same number of unprotected picks and the same number of picks as the Knicks are in a trade. Like, I think they're also right. encumbered. Well, they <clears> are, but, I, are but even, but even let's, let's say they give up three, if they gave up three unprotected first in the future, I think Utah would probably do that because there's a good chance that is going to be a disaster in Charlotte down the road if they make that trade because Donovan's probably not going to stay there. Who knows what happens with the mellow ball that could get messy really fast for them. But the reason why the Knicks sit there as a likely team is that Donovan Mitchell wants to be on the Knicks. Right. So if you're giving up these unprotected picks, if you're the Knicks, you think, hey, we've got this guy not just for the next three years, but for the next 10. And that's where the calculus comes in, where if you if you're the Knicks, you give up these picks, you get this guy, you get him in the building. You then have somebody that can potentially draw other stars there, because as we've seen for years now, the Knicks have been trying to get in the room with star players and have been failing to do so. This would give Mm -hmm. them a guy who could recruit guys there. And again, like you look at these other teams like. Cleveland has nothing to trade. Charlotte really has nothing to trade. Washington has nothing to trade. Like these teams that are being rumored as potential uh, challengers I mean, to Washington the Knicks. Washington has a couple of interesting young players, but I don't eh, think. Not really. You know, not, not really. Not, I mean, the, 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 the Knicks very clearly can put the best offer on the table. The Knicks are trying not to bid against themselves. That's right. The Jazz are trying to create a market where the Knicks are bidding against other teams. But like. We don't know when it happens. We don't know the terms, but I'm pretty sure we know 
what ends up happening. And that's Donovan Mitchell gets traded to the Knicks. And there's, it's not just, you know, it is about, it's about which picks. Is there any protection? What are, you know, what is the protection? You know, is it, how light is the protection? All that kind of stuff. How many picks? And then which young players? Um, and then the salary filler. And the salary filler matters because, you know, for example, Derek Rose, who the Jazz have traded for before <laughs> and released, uh, is an expiring deal where I believe Fournier has one more guaranteed year left. You know, just stuff like, so there's a lot of different things that are that are part of, of the discussion. But again, I, 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 my guess is this gets done close to the start of camp and he ends up in New York. Let's look at the, remember the, the deal that the Jazz made for Gobert. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they weren't very focused on the players that they were getting back. In fact, the players they were getting back, they're already beginning to retrade. So when you think about players that you're offering to the Jazz, if none of them are like foundational pieces, like for example, if the Knicks are keeping RJ Barrett out of the deal, I mean, the Jazz may not even want RJ Barrett in the deal, not because mm-hmm. of his commentary as a, on a player, but they may not be looking to, Pay already them. be building up their team. They may be wanting to start from scratch, but when when the, when the Jazz when the Jazz get a player, they may be looking at it as, can we flip this guy for something? So they've already flipped Beverly. There's a decent chance that they're going to flip Malik Beasley at some point. Maybe not mm-hmm. before the season, but maybe during the season. We already think that there's a chance that uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley might get moved mm-hmm. once the Mitchell thing gets settled, like or before. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll you see. Know. I, I would suspect that they would leave all avenues open there. Um, but that's one thing that you want to think about. And so Bontemps and I actually were, were kicking around, well, what other teams, because we don't know who, who is all called the Jazz, um, what other teams, and I also talked to some other teams out there in the league, what other teams potentially could make an offer to Utah for Mitchell that maybe – we should, you know, that again, maybe we don't, we don't know if they have, but would, we, we should just put on the radar. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting and starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those two. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Bontemps, who did, who did, I think you came up with it. Maybe I did. I don't know. But who did we talk about as sort of a team we should just watch, just put on the watch list for like a secret Donovan? Uh, well, especially with Kevin Durant off the board, the one team I think to look at is Toronto. I mean, they have all their picks. They have some, you have OG and Anobi. They have Gary Trent. They have some mm-hmm. interesting players they could put in trade salary wise. 
Um, and Masai Jerry has shown a, a bill or willingness to take a swing on guys in the past, obviously with Kawhi, most notably. Um, and certainly you put Donovan Mitchell with Scotty Barnes. And, you know, if you keep Pascal Siakam in that trade, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet say if that's a trade built around OG Ananobi, like that's a pretty damn good team in Toronto. Yeah. So, yeah. So the yeah. Raptors own all of their picks going forward, I believe. And if yeah, you put do. OG in, if you put OG Ananobi in that deal, which OG has been floated around in some trade stuff recently, um, you know, he he's a guy you'd need to sign an extension to. But if, even if you didn't sign him an extension, you could then probably retrade him. You might when we just saw DeJounte Murray go for two firsts. I know that OG isn't got the resume of DeJounte Murray, but if you're the Jazz, you could maybe think that you might be able to trade OG Ananobi for two first, maybe not an unprotected first, but you know, that's what's you know part of the calculus that I think the Jazz are looking at is if we get players in this draft, can we move them onward? Um, yeah. And, so, and I think what we've seen with the Jazz in, in the Gobert deal is they prioritize getting no money going forward, right? All the picks in the world, and then taking flyers on young guys who are on, on rookie deals, you know, Vanderbilt, Bomaro, uh, certainly the, the Knicks have, you know, several of those guys would be intriguing. Um, again, Barrett would be, you have to pay him. Ananobi, got to pay him. You know, I say it's like Ananobi and Gary Trent. Gary Trent's already paid. But, you know, as you said, maybe they can turn around and, and flip those guys in that scenario. But, again, I just think for what the Jazz have have – basically told us they want with the Gobert deal, the Knicks are the perfect match. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of trading for young players, they traded for a young player this week in Taylor Horton Tucker, who is still only 21 years old. Um, they do the Beverly deal. Uh, I think there will be a market if slash when they decide to move Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley and Malik Beasley. I think there will be multiple teams interested. I don't, know how many teams were interested in Patrick Beverly, but the Lakers obviously were there. Um, uh, Bontemps got me on this a few weeks ago. Bontemps and I were talking about the market for THT. And um, I thought there would, there would be some market for him. And Bontemps was pretty firm saying, no, there's no market for him. What I, THT I just, shoot from three point range last season? 26. 26.9%. <laughs> what did he shoot okay, the year before from three point range? Uh, 22 or something. 28.2%. Oh yeah. All right. He's a a really good player for what we think the jazz are going to be doing. And that is trying to develop guys and losing a A lot of games, (laughs) leap of games. Look, if you're, if you're, if you need the ball in your hands to be effective offensively, you have to be really damn good to be a a effective NBA player at this point. If that's your role and, Tail Norton Tucker is an intriguing. Well, listen, he's an intriguing player. He's got, you know, he's six, four, he's super long. Um, he's got potential as a good defensive player, but if you are not hitting shots and you have to be a, basically a ball handling point guard to be on the court, like you gotta be a really good player to make that role work. And th- obviously playing with LeBron, that was not going to work. So we'll see in Utah, presumably without Donovan Mitchell, like, he could have a pretty nice year for them. Like I like, like McMahon said, for what the Jazz are trying to do, 
I think it's a good swing for them to get him for Patrick Beverly and see if he could okay. turn him into something. I'm talking more about from the Lakers perspective, though. Well, you yes, know, but that's my point. That was that right. was the only kind of spot he was going to land in. What's I'm saying? So I, I started after you and I uh, disagreed about that. I started asking some executives I was just having routine talks with, you know, and I even talked to one team who had talks with the Lakers about him. And he just said, yeah, he's just he just doesn't have much value, you know, yeah. and so he's um, he's overpaid on that contract. He's, he's, got he's a, not a he's not a ten million eleven million dollar player. Well, this is one of the things I was thinking about. He's got to be nice option. if the Lakers had paid Alex Caruso that contract instead. All of right, we're not going to go. Tucker. Yeah, we know they could have traded him for for uh, Kyle Lowry. Um, that's in retrospect, it can get even worse than that. But no, for the Lakers, I really think this deal was all about the uh, the potential of a uh, Pat Bev Russell Westbrook backcourt. I think those guys are really going <laughs> to mesh well. I think that the chemistry is going to be great. As instant chemistry. I, I think it's going to be kumbaya and, uh, you know, the happy times are here again in, in, in Lakerland. I've forgotten until after the trade, the the Beverly holding his nose last year while playing. Dude, the that is – so this goes all the way back to Rockets Thunder. Yeah, I was going to say back to when he banked and, and, Russ and, and Russ had to get No, I know how long it goes back. I had just forgotten about the, the hold the nose thing right to his face last so year. So I have – I've, uh, you guys will remember the old, uh, you know, Pat Bev be tricking y'all. Uh, remember that? <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I was the one who asked that question and obviously I tweeted it. That, that tweet blew up the other night, uh, which is however many years old. Um, and it was funny. I asked, cause that Pat Bev, I did that. I thought he did a good job when he was guarding hard in that game, but I asked the question because I was being a total, you know, agitator. And I knew you Russ were being, would, you were being you, <laughs> you, know, you were being, you were I, being I had, Patrick had, Beverly. I got, I had the sharp stick and I poked for us and he delivered on that one. But no, I mean, obviously that was when I he said say, that you, uh, he's just running around out there. Right. Isn't that yeah. What he said? Yeah. He, basically he's tricking us. He's just running around out there doing nothing. He doesn't play defense, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, which does is actually, you know, I was going to uh, say, that's more true than it is in a lot of the time too. Uh, to be well, fair it's to also, Russ. it also describes Russell Westbrook's defensive approach well, and, and that's, and always yeah. has been. So yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, he's not always, no he's not always, thing. he's not always running around, but no, I would say close. that I think it's certainly reasonable to believe that this further increases the odds that, that Russell Westbrook won't be on the Lakers roster. Like you can't have those guys on a team together. And by the way, you couldn't have Russ on that team anyway. So I said increases. I don't know if it's dramatic because it, I think it was certainly headed that way, but I like the addition of, of, of Pat Bev for the Lakers. I mean, he's a total maniac, but that team could use a total maniac and uh, you know, he does set a tone and listen, Pat Bev is, is certainly uh Excellent at patting himself on the back very loudly and demonstratively, but he's right. When he goes to teams, they get better. When he goes to teams, they make the playoffs. When he goes to teams uh, in in Minnesota, which couldn't sniff the playoffs, they have a play-in championship parade. I mean, a play-in championship parade. I'm a scores table. Come on, baby. The Lakers. (laughs) That was wild. Lakers. The Lakers are due. Or a play-in championship parade. That's how that you know they they weren't able to get in there last year. So if they win the play-in this year, Pat Bev's going to jump on that table. I bet you LeBron will be right next to him. Really, <laughs> you know, I think LeBron would really appreciate a play-in championship uh, at this point. Yeah, well, he, hey, that's one thing he does not have in his resume. That resume is full, but play-in championship is that's an empty spot in the trophy case. You're right. That's true. Uh-huh. I mean, listen, the uh, 
the to me, this trade said two things for Utah. It said they were open for business in terms of trading these guys, including Donovan. They were going to get this uh, show on the road and start getting this roster ready for training camp. And for the Lakers, this combined with Russell or with LeBron signing that extension last week to me signals that, as McMahon said, it's time to move on from Russ and to get some more pieces on this team, because now you have LeBron and AD and Patrick Beverly. And if Kendrick Nunn resurfaces, you have Kendrick Nunn as a potential NBA player. And that's four NBA players on the team. Well, you're totally disregarding full taxpayer mid-level signing Lonnie Walker, the fourth. Yeah. I mean, to this point, he has not really been a good NBA player. He's been a pretty bad NBA player who I think we can all guess why he's on the Lakers. Did, Um, did, Did you mention needs a new nickname, Austin Reeves? No, that's a fair point. I didn't mention him. He's he also he's another guy who can play. But the bottom line is they've got four or five guys who you think can maybe play. They need two or three more guys and they, this is the listen, way they can do that. We, the question is, is it worth throwing both picks in to get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner? Two guys who I think certainly you look at this roster now. Uh, I think you you can argue that those guys would be really good fits. I mean, if you've got if you've got Pat Bev, Anthony Davis, and Miles Turner, I, I think you've got the makings of a a, a pretty solid defensive team. Um, you know, Turner can shoot it. Obviously, Buddy Heald's a great shooter. You know, you've got the spacing around uh, Pat Bev's a, a a solid spot up shooter. You've got the spacing around LeBron and AD. I mean, if you get those two guys. I'm not saying I think the Lakers are, you know, vaulting to the top of the Western Conference, but I, I certainly think that's a, a solid playoff team at, at, at the least. Now, is that, well, that worth yeah. two picks? I don't know about that. I mean, that's a legitimate that's a legitimate team. Like the Lakers going into this offseason didn't have a legitimate team around LeBron and AD. I mean, they just had all these minimum players. They had no salaries they could move. If you add Beverly and Heald and Miles Turner or you get or you call back Utah and you get Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich and another piece like you can. Yeah, maybe it may be Clarkson, whatever. Right. You at least then have a full seven, eight man rotation of legitimate NBA players at that point. Like and then with LeBron and AD, if they're healthy, like, yeah, the Lakers could maybe have a shot to do something this year. But like without with, with Taylor Horton Tucker and Russell Westbrook on the team, they had no shot to do anything. All right. So at least this is repositioning the roster in the way it always should have been, which is LeBron and AD surrounded by catch and shoot role players like that. That's what you need to have around those guys. And Pat Beverly, you know, while he's a bit overrated, I think is like you said, McMahon, a okay defensive player and he's a quality catch and shoot guy. He's better than an okay defensive player. Like say what you want about his antics and all that. Pat Bev is a good defensive player. I, he's he's not, he's not, he's not, he's, he's a good defensive player. Now, you know, I remember the playoffs against the Mavs when Luca screamed loudly in his face to F and small. And certainly that was an accurate uh, description. Well, he's not a lot able of to guard. a lot of perimeter yeah. players are too small for Luca. Yeah, welcome I mean, to the club. Find, re- yeah, find yeah. me the six two six three guy who's going to stop right. Luca. But again, Pat Bev is a a defensive tone setter and a a complete pest. He's a good defensive player. Let's not act like it's all reputation. That's that's not fair. All right. No, well, I don't think it's all reputation. I do think that there's a. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure Indiana is going to completely rip its team down. More just because. They've they're only just now showing that they're willing to, 
to and to entertain tanking, but they're it's it's a it's a reasonable chance they could do a deal. Utah is going to rip it down, and after they do Donovan, those other players are going to be available. So the mm-hmm. Lakers, in addition to any other talks that they may have out there with with teams, if they're willing to trade those two picks, they're going to have at least a couple of different options. So my guess is is that Westbrook at some point is going to be traded. And they're going to be able to get a couple of guys to add to this roster. The question is, is it going to be good enough to make them mm-hmm. a top six team? We're not going to know yet. Um, and it's a, you know, the the Mitchell deal is a vitally important thing for the Knicks, a vitally important thing for the Jazz. And the deal that Rob Palenka makes with the two picks he's still got with Westbrook is a vitally important deal to the Lakers, at least for the short term. I'm not saying it's going to change the title. I don't think any of those deals potentially change the title, but it's really big for those franchises. And those, these are things that are hanging out there at the end of August. We do not normally see something like this. And it's also, it's because of the KD thing was dragged out for whatever it was, seven, six, seven weeks. And because the Donovan Mitchell is out there, it's just causing it. So there's still a lot more business to happen here with some of the biggest franchises. Um, We'll be talking more about that. Uh, Okay. Trivia time. That means it's Ooh, Mr. Yeah. Bontemps. Which Mr. Bontemps this time. I don't believe the sponsor is is operating at this current time. I was I was just pointing that out. Um, we got we got fired. We talked. Well, Brian probably derailed it with his repeated forgetting of the sponsor. We uh, well, I'm not going to drive now. <laughs> Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now it's time for a Hoop Collective Trivia. We, uh, we talk a lot about the Knicks, so simple question. Who is the last Knicks guard to make uh, as many Donovan, uh, many all-star teams as Donovan Mitchell or more, which is three? Ooh. So he made them on while he was on, on the, Knicks. the Knicks. On the Knicks. We don't have to go all the way back to Clyde days, do we? Nope. Allen Houston. Nope. Is Latrell Sprewell? Was he? They both made all-star teams, but they didn't make three. Hmm. Allen, I believe, made two, and Latrell made one. Uh, yes, that's correct. While they were on the Knicks. Yep. There are, there are I believe, Starks. three all-time. John Starks didn't. I think there's three all-time, and Clyde is one of them, which tells you how tells you the 
plight of Nick's. Uh, you kind of you kind of need really good guard. Uh, you kind of need really good guards. Well, that's why the Knicks um, have won two championships ever, and they were both in the early seventies okay. with Earl Monroe so, and Walt. So Frazier. it was after Walt Frazier. Yeah, so Earl Monroe and Walt Frazier were two of them, right? No, yeah, not Monroe. Hmm. Earl wow. did twice. Uh, wow, not not Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson's the last point guard to make the team. 1989, last Knicks point guard to make an All Star team. Wow. Well, I thought that would be too easy of a question. It's, wow. It wasn't uh, Michael Ray Richardson, was it? Ding, ding, ding. That's the answer. Wow. I, I'm good at what this. What a man. great question. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, it took you like what 10 What a great answers. question. Listen, and what a great yeah, but as, as far as trivia goes, if it wasn't for me, the ship be sinking. <laughs> I agree. I'm not no, that's good a good at line. <clears throat> The other, the other guard who's made at least three all-star teams as a Nick uniform was Richie Guerin, who made the Hall of Fame like 10 years ago and played in the 60s, which you guys oh have God. never heard of. He's a very nice guy. I, I, I've heard of him, but I wouldn't team. have known he made, you know, I wouldn't have thought about it. Yeah. I was really proud wow. of not only my Michael Ray Richardson answer, but my reference to his all-time no, I, classic uh, quote. And I felt like I didn't get the approach. No, I enjoyed it. it. I if, was giving if Michael, applause. If Michael Ray had, had been playing in today's NBA, he would have been a celebrity on every front. He would have been a social media superstar with his uh, Ant-Man quotes. I mean, the, I mean, the Ant-Man's not a bad comparison, actually, game-wise. He was Uh-oh, a big-time player. Lifestyle-wise, there's no comp. Wow, that's true. But All right, well, we've reached the part away. of the program where we talk about a uh, a team and here in the offseason. Uh, what's going on in this week? What team? What team is we going to do? It's probably already in the podcast description and they know. So I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to draw out the suspense. What's going on in Brooklyn? Why? 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 Why would they do that? Very strange trade. Why would you do that? And here's the caveat that we're going to have here. We're actually we're going to do something revolutionary for what's going on in Brooklyn. We're going to talk about basketball. We're going to talk about actual on the court Brooklyn Nets basketball, not with drama. the caveat. No, with the caveat that there will be drama. This team, okay. if if we're playing a video game, I really like the roster. I think we can win a bunch. There will be drama you have okay and we'll talk about it when it happens never happy and try to fire when it happens you know it's continued oh by the way i know I but i know but that's not the that, point of the segment we're talking about <laughs> he's already the, gone off talking, the rails we're talking I, about I, I, this, the, this, the this, this segment court. be sinking this segment yeah. be sinking. <laughs> the team that on the beautifully court. written that beautifully written statement co-signed by boardroom uh kevin durant very active on twitter never slapped a retweet on it did reply to uh to to Pat Beverly basically saying, well, you know, <laughs> thanks for holding up the whole league. <laughs> Anyways, on the court, fine, let's do it. Let's let's pretend that we think that uh, Kyrie is going to uh, be available on a on a consistent basis. Uh, let's pretend. I, for the record, think... think he's going to be this year. I mean, it's a that would be he's a bold lot to prove. He's, he's, he's well, look, lot. he gets injured a lot. It, 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 yeah. you, like it's already it's already problematic. That he's he's injury prone, but it's the it's the you know non-injury absences that are what concern you. But okay, well, let's let's assume that he's going to play sixty games. Mm-hmm. That's that's not unreasonable to us to, to and be healthy for the playoffs. We'll we'll say sixty and be healthy for okay. the playoffs. Same same with KD. 
Um, you know, Royce O'Neill was was the original prompt for the fingers firing and, and what's going on in Utah, that trade. Um, but that that's a win now trade. You know, Royce is a solid defensive player. You know, part of the problem in, in Utah is he was by far their best perimeter defender and was overmatched a lot of times, either size-wise or quickness-wise. Yeah. Um, but he's a, he's a solid defender who offensively is only going to shoot open threes and move the ball. So I think he, you know, that's a, a really nice fit uh, with with two ball dominant guys. Um, you know, Joe Harris is, is a wild card coming back from the ankle surgery. But uh, again, they've got a lot of shooting around KD and Kyrie. If if, if, if Joe Harris is healthy, you know, O'Neal's a, a good three-point shooter. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want to just move past that. Okay, Joe Harris. Now, granted, he had two surgeries. And this is one of the things, as you talk about the Nets basketball, they got mm-hmm. three of their top six players, seven, depending on how you want to rank them, who are coming off surgery. You got Ben Simmons, you got Seth Curry, and you got Joe Harris. Joe Harris yeah. coming off two surgeries. But having said that, well, Joe just Harris. Roll out, just roll out the lineup of Seth Curry and Joe Harris with Ben Simmons, Kyrie, and KD, assuming they all play. Big big assumption, I know. That is a that is a potentially unstoppable offensive lineup. Joe Harris, career three point shooting, forty four percent. Seth Curry, career three point shooting, forty four percent. Guess what he shot on three pointers after he got traded to Brooklyn last year. Forty seven percent. That was a small sample size. But just 47%. Put, put the ball, put the ball in Ben Simmons' Pat, hands and surround those, surround him with those four guys. Good luck you know guarding how, that team. Well, you know how, hold on though, hold on. I'm not saying they're going to stop the ball, anybody. You say put the ball in Ben Simmons' hands. Okay, let's, for the sake of discussion, skip right over the where's his head. Sure, a super athletic player undergoing back surgery. You can't just assume he's going to be the same explosive sort well, of athlete. What I, happened to Dwight Howard after he had back surgery? Listen, Guys I whose agree. game is based in you know primarily on just elite explosive athleticism. Back surgery is a massive red flag. Fair. On top of a pile of red flags. No, I agree. That's why I said at the beginning it's a big assumption. But let's think about for a second if those five guys are on the court together. That's the best offensive lineup mm-hmm. in the NBA by a significant you know how, amount. You know how Brett Brown used to used to dream and he, he like challenged Ben Simmons to like, can you sh- can you make one th- or shoot one three a game? He was just he yes. just wanted to shoot one three. Mm-hmm. The Nets could say to Ben Simmons, Ben, we don't care if you ever take a shot outside the paint. Right. We're going to have you with the ball and surround you with four of the best shooters in the NBA probably four of the 10 best shooters on the planet. And you can just attack the basket. You're one of the best creators of three-point shooters in the league or three-point shots league. Dribble in, kick out, open threes. Or like, go down that, to the post. So, I was going to say, and work hold, out of the post. On, He's 6'10". Or, or, you know what? Set a screen and roll to the basket. Well, listen, you can okay, do because that if too. you think they're just going to hand Ben Simmons the ball and Katie and Kyrie, oh, cool. Hey, you know, Ben, we're open. You know, if you if you see us, you know, Pat, no, those guys <laughs> well, need the ball in their damn I hands mean, too. Yes, what are you I, talking about? I mean, I, I'm not saying he would have the ball in his hands exclusively <laughs> and they would never touch the ball. The point is, if you have Ben Simmons on the court with those guys, you're obviously best off with him initiating the offense. 
And then Kyrie's playing well, off the okay. ball. You, I mean, look, you, you tell Kyrie that. You tell KD that. Well, okay, that's, but here's that was else. what James that was what James Harden was he, doing with the Nets. Oh, and that defense. worked out wonderfully. He was I mean, just happy as could okay, be. Well, but I'm was, not worried. I'm not worried about their offense. I'm worried. The, what did what did we pound away on them for the throughout the last season? And while everybody was knees were knocking, afraid to play them in the playoffs, we kept saying over and over, they can't stop anybody. Well, of course. I mean that that and, is that and remains. Man, you're right. I, I don't know. Maybe Ben Simmons is not going to be able to move like he did before. That's fair. This guy can defend one through five. If healthy, Ben Simmons is absolutely an elite defensive player of the year candidate kind of defender. And um, Royce O'Neal is a is a is a plus. He's a plus defender. Player. Yeah, I mean yes. he's got to be better then, than he was you know, last year, but he should be. Yeah, he 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 had a rough playoff series for sure. But no, he's a plus. He's a plus defender who who spaces the floor and and you know is not going to be complaining about touches. That's for sure. Um, you know, Nick Claxton is a player that they paid to keep. Uh, you know, he's he's a, uh, a a nice option to have, certainly as your more traditional um, rim Basket protecting, yeah. yeah, rim protecting, rebound and athletic, yeah. um, you know, finishing type of guy. He, they're you know, very, there's, there's they're very, for him. they're very slight inside. They have no size inside. If, if they go up against. Um, even if they go up against Boston with the size Boston has inside, they go up against uh Philly, obviously. They go up against I mean, Milwaukee. You say, you say they have no size, but they can throw out a lineup that has uh 611, 611, 610. Yeah, but it's by the not, way, the 610 with KD. Yeah, the 610 but it's, with KD isn't. I'm still, I, I think he's taller than that, but whatever. But when, uh, yes, they have tall guys, but they don't have size. Yeah, they have no, Tristan they have Thompson no bulk is, inside. Yeah. Is it's too bad DeAndre Jordan already signed with the Nuggets? Uh, Tristan Thompson, <laughs> yeah. I know, can't believe they didn't give him 40 mil again. Jeez. Well, and Tristan and Tristan stinks like he well, he Tristan stinks. is uh, he doesn't he's not a basket defender. No, um, he he at this point just isn't yeah. good like that. I mean, he, would, have, he would not help them, he would be like them signing DeAndre again. I know, they, uh, but giving them some months to find a center, it wouldn't you know. No, I mean, look, it's if, if your you're going to try fair, to, but it's not catastrophic. If you're trying to fill, if you're trying to fill any hole in the NBA today, it's fine in a center. Like there's more centers yeah. than any other position. They can find some size. I'm just saying, if you look at their team, they don't have much like Nick Claxton. I guess he's a rim protector. I mean, he he's more of a offensive first option for me, but like you look at their team, they've got a couple guys who can, you know, Ben Simmons, if he's out there, obviously very good. Royce O'Neal, solid. Everybody else, pretty big question. They have no, they have no size inside. You know who their yeah, best rim protector talking... is? Their best rim protector. Those KD. <laughs> KD. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, he he would have to be for them to be really good. But I mean, look again. This is a team that, like, they have a chance to have a historically good offense. If again, huge if they can get those five guys on the court, and then it's like, can we get the defense well, to just mediocre level? And we'll you see, know. you know, they signed TJ Warren coming back off of a major foot problem. Right. Another um, complete so wild he's, card. He's, yeah. He's he, got, could, he could be healthy. That could be a huge pickup for them. Yeah. You know, Cam Thomas, uh, <laughs> he can do one thing and that's put it in the hole. But yeah, he, he, he ain't yeah. guarding you know, anybody I, either. I really, I know he doesn't guard anybody. He is an unapologetic gunner. Oh, it is awesome. Uh, 
One of the clips of the summer was Cam Thomas being asked at Summer League about uh, working on passing more. And uh, Steve Nash said you're working on passing more. Yeah, just straight rolled his (laughs) eyes at the question on camera. I mean, Cam Thomas. Steve Nash. I wonder, in Steve Nash's heart of hearts, was he hoping that Joe Sy would just say, okay, fine, we'll fire Steve Nash. Like, pay me and I, let I, me I go want, away. I, I need I need a Steve Nash memoir after this is over. Oh. Uh, the Brooklyn Year. I'm sure How he does won't he have do hair still? I mean, <laughs> this is, I've said this over and over. This is very, very proud Hall of Famer. You know, um, you know with all due respect to Kenny Atkinson, who has, you know, proven more coaching chops probably than Steve Nash. You know, it's one thing to, 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 you know, you know, run over Kenny Atkinson. Yeah. He only, over the, Steve only revolutionized the NBA and was of the great point yeah, guards right. of all time. I mean, Steve Nash is a two-time MVP first ballot hall of Famer. <laughs> you know, and this is a guy that they are like wiping him aside. Like he's uh, the rebound, the guy rebounding under the rim. He may not be an elite coach, but he, you know, uh, he's a very proud man. Who, How do we know? Can he coach this team? I don't know. I, here's what I'll show say. me. Show me an elite coach who could have done a better job or done a great job under the circumstances. Or would have wanted the job. Seasons. Well, I was stunned when he took it. I mean, I remember having conversations with folks when he took it and saying, why would you want this? And people saying, no, this is the type of job that if you were sort of on the on the vents about coaching, you would want because you have a chance to win. You don't have to like, you're not going to a team, you know, you're not Will Hardy. Who's got to somehow take scraps and build it up. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, good luck with this operation. But um, now I've seen in the NBA where a star player has has sort of, in this case, Durant nakedly asked for him to be fired and the whole world knows it. I mean, I've seen at times in the NBA where a player behind the scenes has pushed the coach towards the ledge and the coach gets backing from the, ownership and, and front office and it emboldens them. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember well, somebody compared uh, the situation. I don't remember who it was. I saw it. I saw something this morning where somebody compared this to what happened with the heat in 2010, me, where that, I was the one who said, it. Oh, you were the one who said it. Well, there you go. I teed you up without even knowing. Oh, I thought it was somebody who was smart. I just remember when the, when the heat go to nine and eight and LeBron bump. bumps Spolstra and within a couple of days, Dallas. <laughs> uh, Chris Broussard writes this story that says LeBron would like Riley to replace Spolstra. Subsequently, we've heard the stories that LeBron didn't exactly go and say fire Spolstra, but LeBron was passively, aggressively pushing in that mm-hmm. direction. And so I remember coming to the first practice after that Broussard story thinking, you know, the he he were very sensitive about everything at that time. And Eric Spolstra looked like he grew two inches from the last time I saw him. Shoulders back, head high, completely embraced the situation. Full smoke asserted, completely asserted control. I was like genuinely like, wow, he is, you know, this is a guy who was now if it happened today, of course, the guy's one of the most accomplished coaches in the league. Mm-hmm. At the time, I remember I remember being really surprised, and that was because he was told by Pat Riley, you're going to be, be my, my guy. Yeah. Yeah. And- at the time he was a, he was a guy who looked about 26 years old, you know, the ex video coordinator. Currently he looks like, like he's look- 32. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But I mean, uh, certainly, 
you know, he, he wasn't a big name. He's got a legendary coach upstairs. Like you can understand where LeBron He's already come to down out of the front office before. Yeah. To push won a championship. Mm-hmm. Right. When so, the star player wanted him to do it. Right. So like, you know, granted it's more likely that once a coach is undercut by, like, you know, Stan Van Gundy got undercut by Dwight Howard famously. You know, he's Speaking like, well, he's been trying to get me fired. Press <laughs> Agree. You know, <laughs> oh, more often Dwight, hey, not. you guys go talk to him. Ask him. See ya. Right. But what was happening last year, as we know, and we don't, by the way, we don't have to have sources said. Kyrie came out and said, yeah, we know Kevin and I run the franchise. Um, that's, the, that's the footing that they were on, you know, in the spring. And so now they've gone for Nash's throat. Nash has been backed by ownership and management. If he's ever going to have a chance to succeed, it's going to be now. Because he's going to walk in there and go, you can't get me out of here. You tried and you can't get me out of here. Oh, oh, now right. we're going to do things this way. Now it doesn't mean it'll uh, happen. For for the sake of for the sake of accuracy, Kyrie didn't say they ran it. They said they co-manage it with Joe Sy and right. Sean Marks. Wait, right. did was somebody left out of that comp? Oh, Steve Nash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, at, the Nets. The Nets went into this offseason determined to not have things be the same as they've been the past three years next season and mm. to their credit they have been successful to this point in doing that they had power struggles with both their star players Kyrie over his contract Kevin over getting traded they won them both they're both on the team now we'll see now obviously it's a temporary I, I, they, win I didn't they, say they won I didn't yeah, say they that, won the it, war it's there's not a final on the scoreboard. No, you know, it, it ain't zero, well, zero, zero. This very well could be a mission accomplished banner at, at, that isn't quite the mission accomplished. But it, as of now, looking at the situation, the Nets have gotten out of the summer what they wanted. They've reset mm-hmm. the balance of power a little bit. They have a lot more say in what's going on there. And to your point, Brian, they have a chance to come in with a very talented team, have these guys on the court and potentially be really good. Now, are they perfect? No, they have real flaws, but they got a lot of talent and they have the ability to be a really, really good team if these guys actually play and they could find a way over the course of the season to fix some of these holes that we've talked about. But I hope that we actually get to see it because I think it will be a very fun team to watch. And, you know, they've got a chance again, like I've been saying for two months since all this stuff started, they've got a chance to be really, really good if they can get that five-man unit on the court, because I think that's the single best five-man offensive unit in the league right now. I also Just want to in say, terms of talent, where, where do they rank in the East? Just in terms of talent. I think probably, I was thinking about this the other day. I think probably third. I think they're right Boston, around. Boston, Milwaukee. I think Boston, because to me, as good as they are talent-wise, part of talent is availability and dependability. Mm-hmm. And you can't, to me, you can't quite put Brooklyn in the same category as Boston and Milwaukee, even if you right. just are laying it out talent-wise, because that's part of it. But I do think they're right there with Philly ahead of Miami in that if they're those two teams at least have the potential, if everything comes together right, you know, James has posted again on social media yesterday about how much he's been working this offseason. Like he, he does teams, look clean. Those teams have the potential to jump into that group, but they have to show me they could get into that group. Whereas Boston got to the finals last year, destroyed the Nets in the first round with Katie and Kyrie healthy, by the way. And Milwaukee obviously won the title two years ago, and I think would have won the title last year if Chris Middleton wasn't hurt. So, yeah, I think they're personally, I think they're, you know, tied for third with Philly 
but okay. in in striking hey, distance. I I mean I don't know where Steve Nash was. I don't know if you know because a lot of times players spend or players and coaches spend time in L.A. I don't know if he's back in New York. Steve Nash, and I don't know if he'll ever answer this, and I, and I don't know if I'll ever get the chance to ask him, and I don't know if he'll ever write that memoir. But Steve Nash, after publicly being have his his job called for, a man who doesn't need this job for anything, mm-hmm. his legacy is secure. Come in to meet with Kevin Durant last week. I don't know if he had to fly from New York. Can you imagine that? Like, come get and take a 12-hour round-trip travel. Now, maybe, you, again, maybe he was in L.A. and he just had to drive down to 405. But if he was in New York or if he was in Canada and he had to fly all the way to L.A. to go meet with this guy who publicly wanted his head chopped off, I think that's rem- I think it's remarkable. I mean, Sean Marks, too, but, you know, Steve is the guy who's more on the firing line. And Ann's uh, the guy who has to deal with them day in, day out. Right. I, you know, has I to actually be in the think with them. I actually think this is all overrated, that part of it. I, oh, I Jesus. No, 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 no. I'm just saying Steve Nash isn't some like guy who hasn't been around the NBA. Like Steve Nash knows what the NBA is like. I don't I don't think that uh it's like he's seen everything you could see in the league, is my point. I agree, not, but also if a guy wants you fired, it doesn't mean you're ready to break bread a few days later. I mean, yeah, I understand. I don't that, think, but I, I think Nash probably avoids carbs. <laughs> I know the guy. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure the he guy's does. practically at his playing weight. Um, I'm sure he does. All right. Um, well, that was going, that's what's going on in Brooklyn. Uh, we sort of talked about the basketball part. Yeah, we did. We talked about it. I mean, you can't, you cannot ignore the rest of it. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, before we go, um, huge, huge bummer. Chet Holmgren suffering a Liz Franck injury. Liz Franck injuries are not common in the NBA. Um, more common in football. Um, it's a, it's a bad, it's a bad injury. It's, it's, it's not ACL level, but it's the part of your foot that doesn't get much. I'm not a podiatrist or orthopedic surgeon, but I just know because Udonis Haslam had one that completely altered his entire career. And it, th- that so part what you're of the saying foot- is Chet Holmgren's playing 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, well done, McMahon. Uh, it doesn't get much blood flow. It takes a long time to heal. Um, just bummer for the Thunder. Um, Sam Presti had a press conference after the news came out mm-hmm. on Thursday uh, where he tried the best he possibly could to say that, you know, this is not the end of the world and we're going to be fine. And Chet's going to be fine. And that's true. But um, no matter how you want to slice it, um, it's concerning when a big man has a foot injury, no matter how it happened or whatever. And And, and you um, can say, well, Joel Embiid has overcome the the foot issues that kept him on a the lot i mean brooke lopez we thought his career was over 10 years ago look at the guy yeah uh, and you know it, it sucks that he's going to miss his whole rookie season uh you know they have an intriguing young core now we're gonna have you know, i have really kind of see that together really was interested in um in watching him play as much as possible uh, although the nba league pass situation 
would have made it very difficult for that on me because NBA League Plus is messed up and flawed. But that's another topic. Wait, you don't? You can't get OKC games in Omaha? No, it is technically the Golden City on the Hill is in is in like four markets, so he can't see. Yeah, how many damn NBA teams claim Omaha? You can't you can't see Minnesota, Detroit, or Oklahoma or Denver, Oklahoma City, right? Denver. Denver. Denver, Minnesota. By the way, I'm like 800 miles from Denver. Um, but um, anyway, that's another topic for another day. Uh, I was extremely excited to watch him play. I was planning on going to see them in the preseason. They actually didn't release their preseason schedule until yesterday afternoon. And I was flicking their organization. When is your preseason schedule coming out? When is your preseason schedule? The, the, the NBA schedule been out for two weeks. Anyway. I was so excited. I really wanted to go see him in the preseason. I've never seen him play in person. Um, so big bummer. I'm not sure that this really changes the Thunder's trajectory. I don't think that yeah. the Thunder were going to win 37 games. And now that Holmgren is out, they're going to win 22. I don't think he was that valuable to their win loss. Very rarely do rookies make a difference. I don't but, know, man. I think he might've been. They have, I mean, very rarely they have difference in win loss. Well, a, he's not a typical rookie and that the stuff he does is sort of like uh, he's a, more of a connecting guy than a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands a ton to begin with. On right. top they, of that, look got at their two guys. They've got two, you know, Gilgis Alexander and Giddy. They've got two guys who can make the offense go. Yeah. Um, you know, Lou Dort's part of that core. They've got some other young talent. Like it's an intriguing team. And like this, this long rebuilding process, this was the year I felt like they could make if they chose to start to be competitive and maybe that still happens. Um, but I was excited to see Holmgren play too. He's such a, like you say, he's a kind of a defensive uh, cleanup guy. He's got some offensive skill. He can step out and shoot it. There's, you know, just a lot to him. He's so unique. Um, well, the other thing is they put- have, they have no bigs on the roster. Like that, that's why yeah. I think he potentially has, could have had a really big impact on their team. Right. Like they don't have any bigs. You take him out of the mix. Like, they basically got like Mike Muscala and Jamichael, and they bought out Jamichael Green when they traded for him. Like Derek I don't, Favors, I, mean, I think, still there. Yeah, he might still be on the team. Like they, they have nothing inside. Like I'm looking, they right. have Derek Favors. Yeah, and then they're then they've got like, you know, they've got Mike Muscala and nothing really else. Like they, they were planning on him playing thirty plus minutes a game, every game, and that's just gone. Well, if you well, want one of our colleagues, it. I'm not sure they have said this publicly. Maybe they have, and I don't remember. But one of our colleagues recently was watching Chet in a in a pickup game in L.A., where Embiid was in the, was in the pickup game, and mm-hmm. um, uh, just <laughs> blocked Embiid several times, including on a three pointer. Wow, that's game. interesting. Now, Embiid also. Got some victories, got some W's in that matchup. Uh, I was going to say, I bet you Embiid had a little success on the block. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but like, you know, apparently nobody who watched that run was like, who left without saying, wow, this Holmgren is a real mm-hmm. difference maker on the court. You got to know where he's on the court at all times. And obviously, I mean, it's not like people haven't seen him play. So um, that's what you're looking forward to if you're a Thunder fan. Like, okay, maybe yeah. you don't win that many more games. But, you know, look, we just talked last week. Bon Temps and Pelton didn't have them in the tanking tier or whatever you called that tier. Mm-hmm. Um, bon They're Temps in draft positioning tier. Yeah. It's a draft They're in it now. Tier. They're in it now by default. And that that's, I mean, there's two things about this that I think are relevant. One is that 
you know, everybody has now started saying, oh, well, the Thunder shouldn't have drafted this guy. I got a bunch of texts about this yesterday. Oh, this guy's always going to be hurt. What was this team doing? Like, this guy had no injury history. This is a freak injury. Yeah. It's, he's not the only guy. It's yeah, happened. and and the concerns would were more like, can his body withstand the wear and tear and the pounding? Not, yes. is he going to hurt his foot? Right. I mean, obviously, like you said, Brian, it's always scary when a big guy has foot injuries. We've seen a lot of big guys have lots of foot issues, but this is not somebody who's had a history of injuries. Like Zion Williamson, go back to high school, had a history of injuries like it is not stunning that he has had injury issues in the NBA. Other guys have had long-term injury issues that have followed in the NBA. This guy is not one of them. So I think it's been unfair that people have said that. The other thing is, to a man's point, I think Shea Gilds Alexander is the most underrated player in the NBA right now because he's been on this team that has been basically you know, mm-hmm. doing its best to position itself for the lottery the past couple of years and is just completely off the map. And at some point, when is this guy going to look around and be like, I'm in my third or fourth. I, this, I think, is his fourth year, third no, or fourth year in Oklahoma he's, City. He's, he's, he's oh, in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Yeah. This is his fourth third season. Year. Oh, fourth year already. Fourth, it's his fourth year. Yeah, in he's Oklahoma on a second City. contract. I forgot, I forgot we had three years and two years. I forgot we yeah. had three seasons in two years. So he's in his fourth season in Oklahoma City. Like, at what point is he going to look around? I know he just started a new extension and I'm I'm sure they're not going to be anxious to move him, but at and what he point didn't is get this a guy option in that? No, but at what point is this guy going to look around and be like, I'm on this team where we just continue to win 23 games and nobody knows who I am and we're not going anywhere. Like it'd probably be in his best interest for them to stick out, stick it out one more year and try to get Victor mm-hmm. Scoot Henderson on the team and then have a completely loaded team going forward. Yeah. But at I some mean, point, if I'm him, I'm looking around going like, what am I doing with my career right now? I, I know, but I think games when he year. signed the extension, he knew that that was a possibility. I don't, I mean. Right. Uh, well, of course, I mean, yes, obviously, he, obviously he was going to take a max extension, which is basically what he got. Um, but he got it with, with no player option, which, you know, that's something where yeah, if he wanted to make that a sticking point, he might've been able to. Yeah. I don't maybe. I mean, listen, it was after Donovan Mitchell got uh, his player option. Uh, just a, a fun little thing is you're having your conversations with scouts and coaches, executives, so on and so forth. Just ask them, hey, Shea Gilgis Alexander or Donovan Mitchell, who, who who would you rather have going forward? It's You're not going to get consensus. No, oh, definitely not. I would rather have Shea, personally. He's six yeah. inches bigger. But if you think about their, you know, like if you ask the common, you know, the casual fan, like for sure, talking about? one guy's a much bigger name. It's just a matter right. of one guy's and, and Donovan. The one thing that he well, Donovan has, has had proven. some pretty spectacular, humongous yeah. performances on big stages. Yeah. In Donovan's won, so. Donovan's, Donovan's been story. in the playoffs. Right. And the other guy has been, like I said, he's he's been Mr. Irrelevant in the NBA among really good players. Yeah. Like he's just completely off the map. Nobody talks right. about him at all. Well, the thing so, the thing is, and I'm not saying that this is what the the Thunder are going for, but like when you look at what the Thunder are doing, especially in the fact that they've now been handed some injuries, like with you know, mm-hmm. you know the Embiid injury, the 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 Thunder. I'm sorry, the Sixers didn't know they didn't draft him with a broken foot, did they? 
Uh, he had a back problem, I believe. And then yeah. either the foot issue was right before the draft or right after it might've been right before the draft. Okay. Well, how, how different was what the thunder is doing than what the Sixers did? There's a lot of similarities. Uh, I would the say there's a lot of similarities. The difference is, is that the, Sam Hankey didn't have the credibility that Sam Presti has. Nah, I, nah, I would say the other difference is the thunder have a team full of draft drafted guys the Sixers the Sixers were putting out a team that was designed to win eight games well and the other difference let's just be honest the other difference is Philadelphia major market flagship franchise OKC you know will be on NBA TV for like one half and then right well that's the thing the Thunder don't have the same set of options that the Sixers do that's just the reality of the NBA and and they don't have the same spotlight well, the Thunder yeah, are, I don't, the Thunder are I don't, more forced into this into this process. <laughs> the Thunder are more forced into this process than a, a big market East Coast team is. Yeah, but I do think it's a pretty it's a pretty significant difference from what Hinky did. Like Hinky was intentionally draft like he drafted uh Neuro Zoel with a torn ACL. Um mm-hmm. he right. he had a team full of guys that were basically, you know, G League players that you know, they were churning through a hundred guys trying and they they found a couple guys like they found Robert Covington that way. They found T.J. McConnell that way. They found NBA Christian players Wood they had for 15 they, minutes. they had Christian Wood for five minutes. But that they that was what they were trying to do. The Thunder have a roster basically of all guys they've drafted and are yeah. all, you know, a lot of first round picks. And like some of them aren't going to work, but they are built. They have a team full of guys they have some investment in that they are. So I, I do think it's significantly different, even if the general theory of it is the same. Well, and the other thing is the thunder were kind of the, the thunder were forced into it. Right? right. Paul George went to them and said, I want to be traded. Russ quietly was saying, Hey, get me the bleep out of here too. Right. And they did that. They got go to Alexander to build around the Paul George deal you know, went about collecting picks and, and off they go. I will say real quick, the one silver lining I think with Holmgren being out all year is, you know, certainly it's a year for him to work on his body. You know, I don't know how much he can fill out, but it's a year where he can solely focus on getting healthy from the foot and working on his body, which, you know, maybe d- that does end up benefiting him down the road. All right. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Hoop Collective. McMahon, enjoy Slovenia and then I guess Germany maybe by next week. Thank you, Bontemps. Thank you to our producers, Jackson and Bruce um, and Andrea as well. And uh, we will talk to you. Everyone have a good weekend. Adios, amigos. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash hoop.